Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 14, titled Jacksonville. Oh boy. (laughs) Oh boy. I've been waiting to talk about this episode. I've been waiting to talk about this episode. I've been waiting to talk about the events of this episode. I've been waiting to get into this. I have held my tongue. I have talked around the events of this episode and what it reveals for quite some time. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm so happy we're finally at this point. This episode's amazing. This episode is absolutely incredible, both on its own merits and as a massive turning point in the mythology of Fringe. This is like the moment that like so many doors conflict-wise get opened. Uh, This and the next episode that we'll talk about on Monday just explains so much and recontextualize so much and lay so much groundwork for the entire like biggest character crisis of the entire series, and it is amazing. It is absolutely freaking amazing on literally every possible front. So, this episode, we got a weird one. I'm gonna be honest. We got a really, really weird hook. So, they come up on this building where an earthquake just happened, it shook up everything, and the building just looks all rearranged, and it looks bizarre and not quite right, and they go in and it's like, it's just this macabre horror show, like bodies are fused together, structurally, like things don't line up, and what we find out is this is literally two buildings trying to occupy the same space. One of which is from the other side. And this suspicion is cemented when we come across the only survivor of this, who we find out very quickly is from the alternate universe when Walter questions him. Uh, He asks about the 9-11 attacks, which buildings got hit, and the guy says, uh, the Pentagon and the White House. Not the Twin Towers. And you can see the look of recognition on Olivia's face, like, oh shit. (laughs) I've been to a universe where the Twin Towers still stand, I kind of know what this is. And like, oh my god, the look of this dude. It is so effed up. So scary. Like, it's it's rough to look at. Like, the dude's got four arms, four legs. Like, he's 
merged together and has these, like, ancillary limbs. He's got a pair of legs, like, sprouting diagonally from his other pair of legs. Uh, they lift up his shirt, and there's, like, another face with, like, the guy. Like, basically, this guy has fused with his doppelganger. The two versions of this guy from the two universes, like, just kind of fused together and eventually died from the strain of it. It's honestly the most horrifying image Fringe has ever given. Like, I remember watching this and going, Oh, dear Jesus Christ. (laughs) I remember watching this as a teenager and just being... Stunned, Like, this is kind of, like, the type of image that gets you, like, sick to your stomach. The type of thing that you're kind of shocked was allowed on network television. Hell, even Astrid, who's put up with more disgusting crap than anyone in this show. Having to assist Walter with all these, like, dissections and uh, post-mortuary examinations. Just looks at this and is like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing this one. I can't. I just can't. Like, I've done so much. I have seen some gross stuff. I've handled it well, but... This... No. Just no. (laughs) You know it's effed up when Astrid, of all people, says no. (laughs) And it does not take a huge leap of logic to recognize that Thomas Jerome Newton is the one who did this. To recognize that it was Thomas Jerome Newton who started this whole thing. He's seen on pictures a couple days before the incident, uh, disguised as a construction worker, setting something up. We don't know what. Uh, This is his M.O. of opening a door to the other side, blah, 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 blah. And we basically have this next step in whatever, like, war is brewing between these alternate universes. And then Walter kind of figures out essentially what this is like. Uh, He talks about how Walter and Belle, when they were first experimenting with sending stuff to the other side basically sent a car over. And the car disappeared. And then a while later, a different car showed up and was wrapped around this statue. And they know it was a car from the other side because, like, it's different. There's a CD player in there that wasn't there at the time. And stuff like that. Basically, the universe... The two universes have to be kept in balance. So if you send an object to the other side, essentially the thinking is that after a while, an object of equal mass, a random object with equal mass, will be sent back. And you have no control over it. So they sent this building to our universe that tried to occupy the same space as this other building. And now, because this one building got sent over, the other building 
uh, some other building of the same mass is going to get sent over. And we don't know where. Some building somewhere in New York is going to get sent over to the other side and just disappear. So we have to... We can't stop this. This is just nature taking its course. There is no way to halt it in its path. So we have to figure out which building it is and evacuate it immediately. And Walter's idea is that stuff from the other universe has like a sort of glimmer around it that's imperceptible to the human eye. And he believes that around the time that this process starts, that the building starts to disappear, and the two universes are at their most malleable, then the building will take on that other glimmer. That other building will take on this glimmer because it is becoming less and less distinguishable from its counterpart. Now, as I said, it is imperceptible to the human eye, except if someone has a certain drug in their system meant to enhance perception. Like Cortexafan. So Olivia has this ability to see this glimmer. If only we can activate it in her system. So we have to go all the way to Jacksonville to try and reactivate this. To try and reactivate this ability. Back to the original daycare center on that original military base. Where the trial took place. Back to... Essentially where it all started. And this works on so many levels. Uh, Olivia has to confront the abuse that she endured as a child. Walter has to confront this horrible, horrible thing he did in his past. Uh, Peter has to watch it all happen and try and make sense of all of it. And it's just, we have spent so much time talking about Cortexafan and talking about where it happened, talking about the trials, but we've never actually seen where it took place. We saw the people, but we never looked at the place. We never gave it a physical location. We never gave those trials a physical feel. Until this episode. Until this moment. And so we get this phenomenal, phenomenal plotline at the original Cortex fan trial location. Oh, by the way, I totally forgot to mention, opening sequence takes place entirely in the alternate universe. And they do it very stealthily. And they actually start building out the world of the alternate universe beyond Twin Towers exist very, very well. There are plans for a new Pentagon on this dude's desk, on this architectural dude's desk. Uh, people are talking about coffee, and it's like, is that coffee? How did you get coffee? Implying that coffee's a rarity in this world. Uh, the location card, the little big letters in the sky, say Manhattan, but it's spelled wrong with one T. And I didn't know this until recently, but it's spelled wrong on purpose, because apparently on the other side, they do in fact spell it with one T. Which is a really cool 
piece of information to put in, which is a really cool little nugget of information to put in that I, makes me love it even more. Uh, I should have mentioned that. I don't know why I didn't. I'm an idiot. I'm stupid. I'm a dumb. Also, uh, dogs howling and microquakes will lead up to this. Those are the signs. Anyway, back to the Cortexafan trial. So we go on this trip to Jacksonville. We have these sequences where they're just looking around. Uh, Walter says, like, okay, there's 16 objects in here from the other side. Find them. And Olivia fails. Uh, Olivia is going through these rooms of her childhood that she doesn't even remember. She just blocked out all these memories. Walter has that scene with his glasses where he's like, oh, these glasses. I used to wear them. Oh, I'll put them on. I'll look at myself in the reflection. Oh, yes, I look good. Man, this takes me back. And you kind of see the look on his face go from all smiley nostalgia to just horror of like, Oh, God, all these memories are coming back. I did horrible shit. (laughs) Like, you kind of... You kind of see his happiness in real time kind of get overshadowed by remembering the pain he put Olivia and all those other kids through. Again, perfect, perfect acting from John Noble. This is the... I can't go... I can't go a week. I can't go a week without praising John Noble. Jesus Christ. Uh, but we do this experiment where Walter tries to heighten Olivia's emotional response. Tries to give more emotional stimulus to feed the cortexafan. So he drugs her, puts her through this heightened state, uh, and basically has her go through this illusion where her mind presents an obstacle. An obstacle specific to her. It's different for everyone. And overcoming this obstacle, or rather, facing this obstacle, will sort of heighten emotional state. And she goes to this whole vision where she's in this, like, really spooky forest where there's some unnamed monster somewhere, unseen monster somewhere, and, like, wind and howling. She meets her younger self, who's, like, really scared, and is like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And when she comes out of it, she's like, what the hell is wrong with you? You did this to children. What the hell? Like, Olivia comes out of this pissed and for good goddamn reason because walter did like these horrifying drug trials on children walter put children through absolute hell to say nothing of what came after we saw nick lane we saw those pyro twins like we we saw all that shit that wasn't good (laughs) that was also bad Like, Walter and William Bell kind of just destroyed a bunch of children's lives with these drug tiles and put them through horrors. And obviously, Olivia is, like, just now kind of coming to terms of that. Just now, like, actually seeing what the trials were. What the original thing was. And it's every bit as horrifying as you might imagine, if not more so. So she has to now, like, directly confront Walter over this. And there's some great moments. I especially love this one sequence where uh, Olivia and Walter 
are talking, Walter had just watched the video and Olivia walked in on him doing this of Olivia's first time going to the other side uh, where she had set a room on fire and Walter and William Bell were kind of figuring it out. Walter was comforting her and they have this big argument about how Walter abused her with these drug trials and all these other children. And Walter tries to like spew the spew the line that like we were helping you. We were preparing you. And you can kind of see him not believing it. You can kind of see him believing it less and less and less the more and more and more he talks about it. Again, shout out to John Noble. Shout out to Anna Torv as well. Jesus Christ, she does a great job in this. I I don't talk about the other actors in this show nearly enough because John Noble overshadows all of them, but like, good God, does this show have a good cast. Holy crap. Uh, but basically, Walter then figures out, like, wait a minute, this hasn't been working. I thought you needed emotion, period, but we needed to bring you to that state. We needed to bring you to the state of that scared little girl. You need to be afraid. Which is why you can't do it anymore, because you don't fear anything anymore. You've channeled your fear into anger, which is what makes you so good at your job, but for right now, you need to go back to that scared little girl. Or else, we're not going to be able to identify this thing. And Olivia immediately is like, yeah, I can't, I can't. I, I, I just can't, I can't do that. Like, and it looks like this entire trip has been for naught. It looks like this entire trip to the horrors of the Cortexafan trials has been for nothing. They go back to New York as this is starting, as we're getting closer and 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 closer to the time. Uh, we're trying to find buildings of equal mass. Uh, trying to figure out where this could strike, trying to eliminate certain possibilities. I especially love the moment where Walter throws out this idea, and Brandon Fayette's like, I'm sorry, uh, you want information on every building in New York City? Like, just basically have a tone of, what the hell are you talking about? This is insane. And Walter just looks at him and says, well, I think we can rule out the Empire State Building. <laughs> How how hilarious would it have been if the Empire State Building just didn't have a lot of mass to it? Like, it was really, really tall, but that's it? Like, it was just very light or whatever? <laughs> I don't know how mass works. And <laughs> it just had the same amount of mass, just impossibly. And it was just like, damn it, we should have counted the Empire State Building. <laughs> how funny would that have been? <laughs> that would have been uh, the kind of dark humor that I really, really love. Anyway, someone make that parody. <laughs> but we get closer and closer and closer to the event. Uh, in fact, Walter's watch actually goes off and it's like, oh, crap, this is the time I predicted. It could be literally any moment now. And Olivia goes to Peter and they talk a bit and Olivia's like, I'm, I'm scared. I, I'm terrified. And Peter and Olivia almost, almost kiss. Mm -hmm. 
And then Olivia's like, wait a minute. I'm scared. And then immediately, like, realizes, wait a minute. I'm now in the emotional state for the Cortexophan to kick in. Uh, she, like, runs onto the roof, runs onto the balcony, looks out, and sees the general glimmer in the distance. Uh, she starts driving around and is able to find the exact building. Uh, they're able to evacuate everyone. We have this great climax where uh, she and a doorman are, like, getting the last of the people out, and they're running away from the building as this, like, vortex happens, and it's just sucking everything through. And the building just disappears. It's gone, but no one was inside. Everyone is safe. Everyone is all right. It's all totally fine. They got everyone out of there. It's all good. We shouldn't have to worry about anything else. And uh, Peter and Olivia are going to celebrate by getting some drinks. Because that's what normal people do. They go out for drinks. And just as everything looks great, Olivia shows up. And is like, hey, we're getting drink." And then her face sort of changes. And Walter looking at them, his face changes. And we see what Olivia's seeing. And, uh... Peter has that glimmer! That glimmer that only appears for things that are from the other side! In other words, Peter Bishop is not of this universe! He is from the other side! And Walter, when Peter leaves, uh, goes up to Olivia and is like, Please don't tell him. Peter's from the other side. Walter knew about it. Uh, We've been hinting at a lot that Walter, like, did something. (laughs) And that something was to bring this Peter from the other side. Like, this opens, like, just a whole Pandora's box. Like, it's just... This was the moment. 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 This is the moment I've been talking around for so long. This was the moment I've been trying not to spoil for anyone who is watching this for the first time along with me. <sighs> this is the big twist of fringe. And it's it's magnificent. It's absolutely Goddamn magnificent. This twist is so well executed. After you know this, everything that came before takes on a new meaning. Remember that gravestone. Remember the coffin image that made Walter think of Peter. Remember the I can't let Peter die again from just a couple of episodes ago when this was way too real doing a deadly virus story during the coronavirus pandemic that I'm watching it. Like... (laughs) That very ill-timed rewatch. Remember all of that. Remember back to episode two. Episode freaking two of the entire series where Walter's like, Hey, um, I you probably have seen Peter's medical history. And Olivia's like, no, I'm, I didn't. Walter's like, oh, I was going to ask you to keep it between us. But I guess uh, if you haven't seen it, then there's no point. Did it just... There's so many moments that get completely recontextualized. And this is uh, only the start of it. So the next episode, 
I'm just going to say this a little bit. It's a flashback episode to show what the hell happened leading up to this point. It is probably the best episode in the entire history of Fringe. It is perfect. I can't wait to talk about it. I cannot wait to dive into that. I cannot wait to tell the origin story of... This? Oh my god. I... I love this. I I love this plot point. I love everything it opens up. I love this, like, midsection of the season where we reveal that and we dive into it and we deal with all the complexities of it. Like, I just... I love it. 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 I love all of this. Everything that this is, everything that's happening here, it's all perfect. Anyway, I'm gonna shut up now. <laughs> now that I've officially fanboyed about how good this twist is! Oh my god, it's such, it's so great. Calm down. I have to do an outro. Oh my god! Okay, that failed immediately. <laughs> if you like this... Favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcast or app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's as simple as just to push my button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468. And support the show, patreon.com slash Thomas Clark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Uh, if you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once uh, every month. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, on Monday, we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 15. Talk to you then.